Hello and welcome to In Conversation With, a podcast from the Lancet Diabetes and Endocrinology. It's July 2022 and I'm Tessa Mayer. This month, I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Nikki Karavitaki from the Institute of Metabolism and Systems Research, which is a part of the College of Medical and Dental Sciences at the University of Birmingham. Dr. Karavitaki's article on the risk of second brain tumours after radiotherapy for pituitary adenoma or craniopharyngioma can be found online at thelancet.com. Nikki, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. Could you please start by telling us about your area of research and briefly explain why it is important? Yes, hi Tessa, uh, and hello to the audience as well, and many thanks for, for this invitation. My research focuses on tumors of the hypothalamopituitary area and covers their pathogenesis, their management, long-term outcomes, and it also expands to work aiming to identify markers of diagnostic and prognostic significance. Tumors in this area, in the cellar region as we call it, account for around 18% of all brain tumors, and the number of them, especially if not optimally and carefully managed, can have negative consequences in terms of comorbidities, quality of life, and even survival of the patients. One of the management approaches for these tumors is radiotherapy, which uh, despite the advances in surgery and medical treatments, it remains a valuable tool in the therapeutic algorithm. Radiotherapy has been used for pituitary tumors for more than a century, uh, obviously with the advances that have taken place over the decades, and its uh, beneficial effects have been uh, clearly established. However, some late effects we call them late toxicities, have not been well studied. And uh, one of them is the risk of second brain tumor after radiotherapy, which understandably can cause anxiety to the patients and to the healthcare professionals. So for us, uh, this is an important area which uh, required further attention. What were the aims of your current study and how is it relevant within the field? The uh, association between ionizing radiation and subsequent neoplasms is well recognized. However, studying the risk of second brain tumors can be challenging, uh, mainly due to their rarity and to the long latency period required until they become apparent, particularly for patients with uh, pituitary adenoma or craniopharyngioma. The published studies have provided discordant results and this relates, amongst others, with the issues with the study design and methodology, like small sample size, selection biases in the cohort studied, and particularly with the use of uh, the general population as controls. The general population is not subject to regular imaging surveillance, and this means that uh, non-symptomatic second brain tumors will have been missed in the general population, potentially leading to overestimation of the risk of second brain tumor in the irradiated patients if the general population is used as a control group. Therefore, the aim of our study was to address this uh, important clinical question in a more methodologically appropriate way by performing a multicenter study with a large sample size and by using as a control group patients who have the same pathology who did not receive radiotherapy and who were subjected to imaging surveillance as they radiated patients. What were the key findings of your research and what do these findings mean for patients and clinicians? 
The centers that took part in, in this study, and I would like to acknowledge them, were Birmingham, Bristol, Oxford, Leicester, Leeds, and Ferrara in Italy. And it was a wonderful collaboration, and I'm really grateful to all colleagues who worked on this. So we analyzed data for 996 patients who had two-dimensional radiotherapy or three-dimensional conformal radiotherapy or intensity-modulated radiotherapy. And these were compared with uh, 2,683 controls. So we had a total of around 45,000 patient years as defined by imaging follow-up. And uh, we found that there were 61 second brain tumors detected with the vast majority, 54 of them, being benign, mainly meningiomas. We found that the rate ratio for second brain tumor in the irradiated patients was 2.18. And if we want to look at cumulative probabilities at 20 years, the cumulative probability of a second brain tumor in the irradiated group at 20 years was 4% versus 2.1% in the non-irradiated patients. Uh, further statistics with Cox regression analysis showed that the radiotherapy exposure and older age at pituitary tumor detection were predictors of second brain tumors. In terms of older age, I want to emphasize that uh, around 93% of our cohort had received radiotherapy in adult life. So our findings apply to patients who received radiotherapy as adults. And uh, further analysis showed that radiotherapy exposure remained a predictor even after adjustment for age at irradiation. What do the findings mean for patients and clinicians? We have confirmed that there is indeed increased risk of second brain tumor. However, the magnitude of this risk in the irradiated patients is more conservative than previous estimates, so around two times higher than in controls. And just to, to remind that there have been studies in the past which were talking about risks of 10 or even 16 times higher than that of the general population. Also, we found that malignant tumors were detected in very small number of patients, seven in total, in irradiated and non-irradiated patients. And we think that these results are very important for both patients and clinicians. Do you think that your research will have any effect on the use of radiotherapy in clinical settings? And are there any ways that we can mitigate the risks of radiotherapy? For example, could you explain the importance of follow-up protocols? Thank you for this question. Uh, radiotherapy is a valuable tool in the control of patients of tumors with uh, like craniopharyngiomas or recurrent and aggressive pituitary adenomas, recurrent or aggressive pituitary adenomas. So no doubt that there is benefit there. Our study provided evidence that the risk of second brain tumor is there, but it is lower than previously reported. So the magnitude of this risk should not preclude the uh, use of radiotherapy when this option is considered to be beneficial for the control of these tumors. And our data inform clinical practice and can guide clinicians when they are counseling patients for the pros and cons of uh, irradiation. We definitely need to keep in mind this risk and consider that irradiated patients will need imaging surveillance for a second brain tumor in the long term. And of course, these patients do have regular scans for the monitoring of the primary brain tumor anyway. 
how the currently used imaging protocols uh, should be adjusted in order to monitor for a second uh, brain tumor needs more research, uh, which will uh, need to take into account factors like the psychological uh, impact on the patients and uh, the cost of uh, such surveillance. I think in terms of other uh, radiotherapy techniques, more modern, we need uh, methodologically robust studies to give an evidence-based answer to this question. And we hope that these techniques may be more brain-friendly, but obviously mm. we need data. We need reliable data. What is next for this line of research, maybe five, ten years into the future, with regards to treatment options, both medical and radiological, for pituitary adenomas and craniopharyngiomas? Uh, medical treatments and uh, new drugs uh, are on the horizon, especially for Cushing's, for acromegaly, for craniopharyngiomas, and research is ongoing. We have new avenues for the medical treatment also of aggressive pituitary tumours. So a lot uh, is going on with hopefully promising results. For radiotherapy, the techniques have evolved, including the proton beam irradiation, and we would be keen to see more data coming out on its efficacy and safety in uh, uh, the patients with the tumours we are uh, discussing today. Nikki, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us and for sharing your fascinating research. You can read more about this topic on thelancet.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of In Conversation With. And remember, you can subscribe to The Lancet Diabetes and Endocrinology In Conversation With wherever you usually get your podcasts.